This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is time to draw a line under the mat. We will strive for the denazification of Ukraine. Let me put it to you. Yes, you if can. you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. The idea is like migrants to the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAS Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele and welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? The message from the candidates who want to be Prime Minister is clear and inspiring. They both say we have to change everything about the way this country is run. Because for too long, it's been run by idiots such as me. I am the only person that can be trusted to correct the disasters of people like me. So let's get rid of people like me and have me instead. Liz Truss says she will cut taxes because there's a consensus amongst economists that this is what we must do. And when she was asked to name any of these economists, she could only think of one, a bloke called Patrick Minford from Cardiff University. But there's a consensus among him, so that ought to be enough. If she becomes Prime Minister, she can ask Patrick Minford from Cardiff University what he would do, and then we'll just do that, as that's a consensus. If Patrick Minford from Cardiff University says we should bet the whole defence budget on Harry Kane to be the next scorer in a match between Spurs and West Ham, Liz Truss can announce there's a clear consensus amongst economists because Patrick Minford from Cardiff University said the odds flashed up on his phone and he's got a funny feeling that today's his lucky day. So Rishi Sunak replied that Liz Truss is dangerous. And this must be why he's been in the same cabinet as her for three years and never once mentioned that one of the people running the country is a maniac. I suppose it's because he was terrified as she was always running around with a pair of scissors. And in the last TV debate, Sunak said that Penny Morden was arguing for socialism, going further than Jeremy Corbyn. So now that Penny is out, he'll say, and Liz Truss is too left-wing for Jeremy Corbyn as well. She wants us to give all our vegetables to the Chinese Communist Party. That's why Corbyn wouldn't have her in his Labour Party. She was after all his spring onions from his allotment. But whoever wins, I hope they keep Nadine Doris on in some role or other. Maybe they could make up a post such as Minister for Skid Marks in the toilet and then she'll be on the news every day screaming, British Skid Marks are the best in the world. This is a great and exciting time for British Skid Marks. They cover twice the area of the French ones and now we're out of Europe. They can be even stickier than ever. We invented Skid Marks. I bet Keir Starmer's never even made a Skid Mark because he cleans it all away with a brush. The traitor. Both Sunak and Truss say they don't think Boris Johnson is fit to be in their cabinet, but neither of them ever objected that he was Prime Minister. And Liz Truss will explain this, saying, there was no way I could have known that he'd been at any illegal parties during lockdown, as there was a consensus amongst Boris Johnson's 
that he was telling the truth. And Rishi Sunak never complained once about him. He'd have been more likely to say, I would marry the Prime Minister, except that he has to borrow money for wallpaper, which is rather common, as my wife's richer than the Queen. But now Sunak will try to charm us with a homely tale of how he's an ordinary chap, and he'll say, we we had quite a laugh last week, because my wife had a couple of sherries, and then she started shopping online, and <laughs> she bought Italy. And she completely forgot about it until a man from Amazon arrived and asked for a signature. And now we've got the Vatican in the garden. <laughs> Still, these are the sorts of problems that we'll all have to get through as times get tough. And they'll both campaign under the slogan, if you're sick of wankers like me, vote for me. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? The Tory leadership contest is now down to the final two. And earlier this week, Tory MP Nardine Boris was asked which of the candidates she'll be supporting. Can I ask your thoughts on the leadership contest? Which of the remaining candidates do you think stands the best chance of... Boring, Ah, you're worse than Starmer. Bore off your shithouse. I knew a bloke at the crazy house who could down two pints of snake bite in one. Could you do that? No! Because you're fucking boring. Um, so I believe you're backing Liz Truss. What's it to you? Too right I'm backing her and I'll tell you why. Because she knows that Brexit means Brexit. Not like that shitty Sunak or whatever his name is. Our Liz is a lever. 100%. But she voted Remain. Exactly. And then she changed her mind. Just like your last date on Tinder changed her mind when she saw you in the flesh. You and your twiggler cock. Liz Truss voted Remain. She campaigned for Remain. And then when Brexit won, she changed sides. Doesn't that suggest she lacks principles? Exactly. She's one of us. She hasn't got none. Just like you haven't got any friends, you shithouse. When's the last time someone bought you a pint? You're so unpopular. You couldn't even get glassed in the Britannia. They wouldn't waste a glass on you, you shithousey little shithouse. Boring, boring, boring. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, every week... I say that uh, I need expert advice, as anyone does, when they follow their quest to find out what the fuck is going on. But this week, I am truly, truly honoured because we have someone whose entire life is dedicated to finding and failing to know what the fuck is going on. Robin Ince, the most scientific person that we have had on the programme. Hello. Wow, what a terrible, terrible... If, that, that, if this is the pinnacle, what kind of pseudo-scientific rot have you been pouring out? It's dismal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been reading about... I'll tell you, we'll come on to this later, but I've been reading about evolution later and I've gone off it. I think the creationists are right. But anyway, we don't want to get that into that now. Dinosaurs, they're God's little joke. Don't want to get into that now. Now, Robert, so where are you at the moment? I'm in Belfast. I've just been doing, I did a lunchtime gig at the Black Box uh, Art Centre and I've got an evening gig as well. And I've taken a risk. You, right, I'm having a, a cup of tea that I've made in my hotel room. And yeah. you, have you heard that story where people say, well, you do know what a lot of people do. They boil their pants in the kettle. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. And it's, no, oh, I haven't. What? Is oh, it a Belfast me. thing? 
No, it's not just Belfast. It's like every time you see uh, a hen night in particular leaving, you go, oh, well, apparently a lot of them didn't, uh, they, they, they boiled their pants. Some of them left their pants accidentally in the kettle. And it really does change the taste of your tea, I found, psychosomatically. Well, I I've, hope. Uh, psychosomatically, but I, I just, I love the idea. I love the idea. Do you know what? If I hope someone's done it and they're listening. It's fucking, who'd have thought that it'd be Robin Hans coming after us here? He must have had <laughs> me fucking pants. And they were particularly fucking bad that day, I can tell you that. Well, maybe that would be a, maybe it goes back to an old Victorian thing. Oh, there are probably little, little recordings of someone, people like Gladstone. One has to boil the kettle for exactly the optimum number of moments for the perfect cup of tea and for the extra flavour one does need to put one's pants in the pan prior Boring. Well, I would imagine, yeah, you can kind of have soft-boiled pants and hard-boiled pants, so that will change the, the level of taste as well. Hard-boiled yeah. pants. I wish I'd said that. That's going to change. Hang on, I'll just see that. Now I've psychosomatically added that. And then you'd have Ramsey going, oh, the fuck's sake, you haven't bliffed the panching long enough. <laughs> You're a fucking disgrace. No wonder this cafe's going down the shitter. You always heat the pants before <laughs> placing them in the kettle. What? What is this? <laughs> oh, it's a horrible image as well, isn't it? Just imagining someone there, you're watching them, they're just itching a little bit as they're there on that train. You know, the planes back, which are taking everyone back there, and you think, oh, God, they've got some leaves caught in the gusset, haven't they? And they've ended up in your kettle. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've got a, a radio programme that's, well, It's um, we can advertise it, even though it's gone out, because these days, through the magic of science, Things linger in in the ether long after they've gone out. It's not like it was in 1972. So your radio program, two parts, uh, and uh, do, well, do you want to tell us what it was? All about your mind. I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I did it with the same producer you work with, the brilliant Carl Cooper, who uh, yes. is um, who. Who I, I've always my my respect for Carl is. I mean, I've known him for about twenty five years, I think. And I think anyone who the BBC had to kind of beg to work for them, and he was a little bit against it because he was selling ice cream on Wednesdays and yeah, Saturdays. Yeah. Someone you can respect, well, but I do Blackburn Market, Market on Wednesdays yeah. and Saturdays. So who's going to yeah. do the ice creams? But we wanted to work for the BBC. Don't know if they're going to be happy. They love my mivies. Um, so Carl is a genius, as you know, and um, we did this. The idea was it was called Reality Tunnel, and it was uh, looking at different versions. So first one was all about the reality of inside my mind and other people's minds and what's going on. And the second one was kind of about ways you can test your mind with the exterior world. Of course, that wasn't what it was meant to be about. When I sat down initially with Carl, it was going to have loads of guests on. It was going to have Joanna Neary on. It was going to have a, a guest neuroscientist on, uh, all of this kind of stuff. And um, and then we did the recording and he went, well, that's two and a half hours, so that'll do. Yeah, I can imagine that, Robin. I can imagine if that you were if you were asked to do a 20-minute talk on how to change a plug, that uh, that wouldn't at the end of the twenty minutes you would be uh, probably talking about the molecular structure of Jupiter. Now I asked through the good offices of Twitter, not uh, but a few moments before we we came together on this, if anybody had a scientific question for you, and I'm very pleased to say that the first person to ask a question was. Uh, the very wonderful Mr. Mark Lamar. Terrified already. Right. Well, this is his, this is his question, uh, and it's very scientific. I don't know. Your mates with Brian Cox, you might need to ring him for this. 
Why is there still a need for slotted screws when Phillips appear to be superior in every situation? I think you need the the slotted screw is is purely about the actual balance of the universe. To to remove one form of screw will possibly create an imbalance. It's a matter antimatter thing. It's a Phillips screw and slotted screw thing. So so that's generally it. It's just about the DIY nature of uh, of, of the balance of the universe. Is this is why Doctor Who has a sonic screwdriver thing? Is that is that to do with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he have a screwdriver that no. some that doesn't that solve the sort of tear in the bloody time space continuum or something, doesn't he? I think generally what that is is uh how do we get out of this particular bit of plotting? Now a setting I never told you about. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised you've kept that secret for thirty five years. Longer than that. Over a thousand years I've been keeping it secret. Huh. As a man with a scientific brain, what do you think of Doctor Who? I th- my favourite thing about Doctor Who, I think, is that it still does work as a kind of, uh, you know, a, a security blanket for, you know, kind of some of the weirder kids and stuff like that. Because when we were growing up, a lot of the people who have some of the most inventive minds now were the slightly nerdy kids to whom Doctor Who meant everything. And uh, and so I like it for that. The, the marvellous thing about science fiction, a little bit like a Western, I would say, is it sort of says... Right, here is a society with no preconceived rules. Therefore, everything is open to question. You know, we're, we're out in space. So, therefore, all the things that we just come to accept, you know, we have to have a monarchy, we have to have a hierarchy. You know, we've got people who work in allotted roles, whatever. Imagine if none of those rules existed and you were starting from scratch. We're out in space. So, it allows you to... It allows you to sort of um, investigate all of that, does it not? Is that the point yeah, of science Yeah, I fiction? think so. A, a, a lot of scientists I know got into science. That was one of their ways in. And when you do look at the really great writers, and I'd say people like Ursula K. Le Guin um, and, uh, you know, Philip K. Dick and uh, I suppose J.G. Ballard is, you know, that science. You know, they're all Margaret Atwood. I, I, th- I think that it's, some of, it's still a slightly maligned genre, but... Uh, not as much as it was. And I think, you know, Margaret Atwood isn't called a science fiction writer, but I think she'd probably be happy with a lot of her stuff being called science fiction. But of course, if you're writing for the London Review of Books, you know, oh, it's not really science fiction, though, is it? I mean, I think it's more like one of those uh, long, boring books that wins the Nobel Prize, where a New York writer has to deal with the dementia of his mother. I think we have different d- different audiences. My audience, I don't expect them to automatically know who Margaret Atwood was. I know that she's the sort of person who, uh, she was well, not the sort of person, she was the person who made the thing the handmaid's thing with the people with the women with the stuff on their face but uh i you know, i don't your, your audience automatically knows that don't they they know and philip dick and all this sort of thing where would philip dick have stood on the screwdriver and before you answer that uh, there's been a development so uh someone has answered Get rid of the Phillips screwdriver altogether. It's completely pointless. Mark Lamar's got a bit cross about this and said, why is it pointless? And so uh, I think that if I know Mark Lamar as I do, I think he's, that that's going to all kick off before long. And uh, uh, there's going to be like fucking idiot and he's going to block him on Twitter for suggesting that, um, for, for suggesting there shouldn't be a sort of, that there should be a universality of, of screwdrivers. 
Well, I think, yeah, it definitely has been in terms of finding out who the main suspect is in the screwdriver murders of 2023. I think it's pretty much been given away now, hasn't it? So when you're doing shows with uh, Brian, are you, uh, uh, I mean, I am, I because I've come to see your show, really enjoyed it, went to uh, Bright, sort of the Brighton Centre, 5,000 people there. 5,000 people there the following night at all. No jokes, or there might have been, but not ones that I would have understood because they were all about neutrons and fucking light. And I just sort of... um, and I thought this is a magnificent. It's a magnificent thing that so many people come to listen to this. I'm not sure anybody understands it, but they all love it. So that's all that matters, I suppose. Much like Doctor Who. Now I'm going to guess you finished there. I don't know, right? The uh, just for anyone listening, the point is I basically actually can't really hear what Mark's saying. Uh, in fact, it cut out at going. The shows are all about neutrons and fucking. So that's what I heard. I didn't hear the rest of it. I presume actually fucking was merely an underlining of whatever the next subatomic or atomic particle was going to be that he was going to mention. So uh, yes, Mark, I find it surprising how many people watch the shows and we do. I'm guessing something about the number of people who come to an arena uh, uh, to see a lecture about physics. And yes, I think you're right that not everyone leaves going, well, that's that covered then. I think a lot of other people do probably leave. Uh, I don't think Mark can hear me either. So this is now, this is a, uh, why he does it in a cupboard? I've got absolutely, I mean, what a ridiculous cupboard that you're doing it in. I, I can, all I can see is old bits of stationery and, you know, old memories of various different shanties you wrote when you used to be a bar side piano player. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, so I, I think yeah, a lot of people leave still being uncertain, but needing to go on a bigger journey. Is that roughly an answer of the words you said? As I said, the question I got was neutrons and fucking. <laughs> Where is he, by the way? Pete, can you show up like a thing in in uh, Mudland's Osterman weekend, saying where Mark actually is? Oh, you're in the covered in Tring. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Tring, and this morning I was on Radio Tring. Uh, which which is uh, which goes out to sort of twenty or thirty people, and I had to ask because I'm doing an in town show in Tring. I had to ask goes, what does anyone know about Tring? And people were ringing in saying, oh, there's a really lovely stationery shop and things like that. And I sort of, and I wonder what what have I done? What have I done with this show? Oh, you really ought to go to the fish and chip shop because there's a, they do a marvellous service. And if you go early on a Friday, the batter's lovely and crispy, just as I like. And I'm sort of at half past nine this morning. I'm having this sort of conversation with people from Tring. And um, it, it's like some pecu- very, very peculiar dream. I used to be a comedian and now I talk to people about... <laughs> about the very, very efficient way that the newspapers are delivered on the east side of Tring. See, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. You won't believe it, right? I went the other day and it turns out that a lot of people from Hemel Hempstead come to the chip shop because they only have non-brewed condiment in that chip shop. So it'll be one of those shows, won't it? Ah, for fuck's sake. Not even malt vinegar. (laughs) What I find really weird about doing this show is I actually, in real life, only live about three miles from where you're recording this. It just happens you pick the day that I'm in Belfast. Well, that's the nearest you ever are, though, because whenever I speak to you, so (laughs) I can't speak at the moment. I'm halfway up the Amazon speaking to some tribes people about the way they chart stars or something like that. We're doing a show. Me and Brian are doing a show in Antarctic to some to a new species of fern that's been found that grows in the snow. What is your attitude towards people who do 
not have a scientific approach to the world. For example, well, people who are religious, for example, because that's something that I think is really complicated if someone doesn't have a rational way of thinking. Well, I think it depends on how much they want you to think irrationally. If someone's just a loner being irrational, you know, living up a tree and eating some kind of flying radish that they're trying to invent, that's absolutely fine. But if they insist that I live up the tree with them and try and invent flying radishes, then I'm not. So I think that's the thing is once the irrationality becomes something that they want everyone else to join in. Yeah. So you're quite uh, happy for people to have religious thoughts, albeit up a tree, flying radish, but draw the line at them imposing it on you or other people. It was a very, it was a very good answer. Am I am I gone again now? I can't believe that Mark really is in the storage room of the bookshop in Tring. I, I I kind of thought it was in, but no, he really is. It's really got that sense that any moment now we see the phantom behind <laughs> him with the terrible saber, and uh, he's definitely got that horror movie look to him. Hello, uh, listeners to Mark Steele's podcast. Uh, I'm Robin Ince. I'm currently in Belfast. And uh, Mark asked me to be on his uh, his uh, excellent uh, show. And uh, unfortunately, I've only heard like one of every seven words because he's in a cupboard. So whatever you hear today, uh, the main thing is remember that Mark tried to make this podcast literally in the storage room where they keep the toilet paper in an independent bookshop near some dressed fleas in Tring. Thank you for listening. What the fuck is going on? As you know, we like to hear from a wide, diverse array of opinions on this podcast. And so now here is the master of teasing out the little nuances in what people think. Mike Concrete. Now, <laughs> with me is William Eccleston, he's director of a film festival for young filmmakers, if you can believe it. I don't suppose they'll be making any good films like Carry On Up the Jungle. Hey, William, how much taxpayers' money is going into this? Well, no, no, there's no government funding. It's all sponsored by local businesses. Our, our aim's to encourage young filmmakers to tell their story. Yeah, I'll tell you their story. You've given them a big bag of taxpayers' money so they can feel themselves dancing in a circle talking Norwegian, probably in the nude. Well, no, like I say, there's no taxpayers' money involved. The stories they're telling are, are quite extraordinary, actually. There's a young Afghan teenager. His parents were murdered by the Taliban, and his uh, film is a powerful exploration of the experience of war. Oh, for God's sake. People don't want to think about the experience of war when they're at the cinema. They want to watch proper films like Casablanca, Saving Private Ryan, Apocalypse Now. Well, they're they're all amazing films, but you know yeah, what? I like the smell of napalm in the morning. That's a proper line. Does anyone say that in your films? No, no, because that's already been said, hasn't it? But there is a very powerful line in a film by a young woman who was uh, she was actually uh, a child soldier in Sierra Leone. Uh, she witnessed a massacre, and oh my god, doing... are all your films foreign? She's now a British citizen. Why don't you show British films? Like Rocky. Rocky's an American film. No, it isn't. It's set in Devon. See you, William. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder it takes five hours to get to Dover. Here's Liz Truss with the county cricket scores. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? What the fuck? 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 What the fu
If you want to support this podcast so that we can continue with the quest to find out what the fuck is going on, then please sign up to Patreon. Uh, each week you will get a longer ad-free version. Ad-free. Imagine if you could have an ad-free world. You would pay everything for that. That is just for this episode, though. It's not for an ad-free world, but that's a start. Uh, and there will be extended interviews, and you'll get it on Sunday nights rather than wait until Monday when God knows what would have happened. Uh, cheapskate people who bloody don't care whether it's Sunday or Monday. What sort of people are they? You don't want to be one of them sort of people. You'll also get the first chance to buy tickets at a discounted price for the live shows. Extravaganzas, which now that we're back up and running, we will be doing later in the year. So follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. I think there's some sort of religious student thing that's got a similar name. Uh, rude religious student people, I presume. But don't go. Well, you can go on them as well if you want. Uh, and for just £4 a month, you can get all of that and you help support this podcast and imagine how righteous you will feel. Now, good people of the podcast world, uh, once again, I find myself, this is a marvel of new uh, new technology, but also, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it says about the chaotic manner of my life. This time last week, I was recording this podcast in a car park. I'd never found out where it was. It could have been Atlantis, for all I know, and Atlantis probably would have got a better signal. And I was trying to listen to uh, Mick Ferry, who was very, very funny, and uh, a couple of people have mentioned, actually, they said, you, you weren't really laughing at each other, but we couldn't actually hear each other. It was, I don't know, we just had to guess what each other was saying. This week, it's a little bit better. I was on the way to the Isles of Scilly, a magnificent place which will be featured in the next series of In Town that starts on the 22nd of August. And there's 2,200 people spread over five islands. And I had a brilliant time there. It wasn't that hot there. And... Uh, over the over the five, so it means that everywhere you, everything is dominated by the sea. It's impossible to be more than eight inches from the sea. And lots of the islands, their big big trip of the week is to travel to the island where there's a co-op, which is the only main shop. That's the Isles of Scilly. Now, I'm back from there. Now, I've now I've been in Tring because we're making a program about Tring, and I'm on the way back from there. In a trap, uh, not in a travelodge, in a a car park at Heston Services on the M4, there is a travelodge. I'm hoping I don't have to go into there because last week I had to do the thing in a travelodge, and you could hear people coming in while I had the laptop on a bin, and uh, you could hear all people going, "Oh well, I was going to uh, book in for a couple of nights, but if you're the sort of place that in the foyer has someone with a laptop on the bin doing a podcast, I'm not sure if it's suitable for our children." Nonetheless, here in Heston Services, a services that seems ultimately pointless because the M4 ends in about a mile and a half. Uh, but who am I to question that? Adrian Littlejohn at Yorksfella59 has sent a photo of Jacob Rees-Mogg. On his table, what about this, is a box of Pringles. Now, he doesn't seem to me like a Pringles sort of chap. Adrian asks, 
Is he going to be the new head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area, or wouldn't he be up to the job? Well, I, he certainly wouldn't be up to, the, to any job. I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine he probably knows the Latin for me, probably Pringles, Pringles, crisp of the... I, I don't know. But would he be head of marketing for Pringles? I don't know. I've heard of that somewhere. I think I, think I might have heard of that there is someone who's already in that job, but I think they are, and I don't think there's going to be a vacancy. Uh, but who knows me? Maybe he probably, probably he will claim that if you go back to 1066, he can rightfully claim, because of his ancestors, that his family actually owns the kingdom of Pringles. Dave Morton, uh, at D-Mon Beer, D-M-O-N Beer, uh, has said, what the fuck is going on with people not enjoying the women's football Euros? It's free to watch on telly. It's fun. There's been buckets of goals and England are winning. Uh, it's all positives. Well, I I don't agree with you. I do agree with you that it's a fantastic tournament and it continues the advance of women's football, which is you know, the most exciting thing in football over the last 10, 15 years, uh, just as the most exciting thing in women's, in, in cricket, probably is women's cricket as well. But I don't agree with you that people aren't enjoying it. I think people. I think there's only a handful of people now, the people who will you'll never win round. Um, I did one of the in-town shows in Fleetwood where one of their most famous people is a woman called Jane Crouch, a marvellous woman who was the first woman in Britain to get a boxing licence. And she had a... Uh, she was <laughs> marvellous because she, uh, she wrote this book and it. Uh, she said that when she got the boxing licence, she said that... Uh, she wrote, then I got all these letters from feminists saying uh, you've done us a great service and I would just write back saying I'm not one of them fucking Jermaine Greer types I'm just trying to box so she wasn't necessarily consciously fighting for women's rights but she clearly was you get the same now with why women can't play five sets at tennis and so on and bit by bit by bit it's all breaking down as it should do and the women's Euros is uh, a fantastic tournament, and England won eight nil in one match against Norway. There you are. What? What? Uh, who would that? See, that must really confuse like the sort of people who like chucking chairs in a in a foreign square in Belgium or something. Oh, fucking England! They've won eight nil. Was it the fucking birds? Oh, now I don't know what to think. So uh, th- there's loads of things there to enjoy, Dave Morton, and I uh, I would enjoy all of them. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? Now, as anybody knows who has ever even tried to work out what the fuck is going on, you need expert opinions from the young. And that's why I bred someone years ago who uh, who furnishes me with all sorts of information about grime and computers and new things. Elliot Steele, where are you today? Uh, I'm in Borough in London. Good. What are you doing there? I was helping my friend, uh, comedian Tom Horton, move into his new flat. Oh, right. Tom Horton. And where was his old flat? I know where his old flat was. I think you should tell people. Well, he used to live in the Tower of London. I can I can uh, get him if you want <laughs> to see, for him to explain the situation. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, is he there? Hi, Mark. How are you? Are you well? Yeah, yeah, very well. And I think this is a record because we've done quite a few of these podcasts. I don't think uh, at any point before have I been talking to someone who's been moving 
from their house in the Tower of London. I know. And your son's been helping me. He's the, he's the closest <laughs> thing to a white van man I know. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ask him things like, like how to get a gun? Well, your dad's a general. You probably don't need him to go down to Thornton Eve to get a gun. My, my, dad, get a my, my dad was driving the white van. Lord Horton and your son, <laughs> Elliot, were driving the white van through the, <laughs> through the Tower of London down to Borough Market. It was quite a sight. Does uh, does Elliot lean out of the tank and go, Oi, mate, where are you going? He was wolf whistling all the beef eaters. It was outrageous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So so is that so you've got like military vehicles with all like boxes full of plants and stuff on the back. No, do you know what? We 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 hired the van from Darlington van hire <laughs> up north, then drove it down and then drove it into the tower late last night packed up all the belongings and then uh drove it out through the tourists this morning and people must sort of so tourists must have been looking all japanese people must have been looking at that and thinking oh i expect that's some really important government stuff that's going out that's probably yeah, destined for afghanistan and uh and it's like it's my sordid mattress and a playstation <laughs> 5 that's what's going through <laughs> tried tried to put a few crown jewels in but couldn't couldn't quite make it, sadly. So, how far was the crown jewels in your? Like, were they like at the bottom of the room and that? And where did people go when you live in the Tower of London? Do, do people say? Do you, you get told, oh, for fuck's sake, that you dust the crown jewels every morning? Most people don't believe me when I say I live in the Tower of London. Like, I no. I always thought I always thought it was going to be quite a good chat up line, but try and convince someone in a smoking area of a vodka revs at <laughs> half two in the morning. No, it's not happening. No, I can imagine. Can we get the the boy back on as well? Yeah, yeah, here he is. Hello. So, uh, Elliot, why? Why? First, I've got two parts to this question. Why have you got a yeah. black eye? Well, I got punched in the face. And how can you get punched in the face when you've got a friend whose dad is a general in the army? Well, there will be a drone strike on a c***'s house coming in the next several days. <laughs> <laughs> your dad was loving the swearing earlier. The minute your dad got in a white van, he was so happy to take part in the culture. My dad hasn't spoken to someone with your accent in about 20 years. <laughs> it's incredible. Does it, he has to meet the Queen, doesn't he, your dad? Do you think he'll, uh, Elliot will rub off on uh, on your dad and the next time he meets the Queen, he'll go, Oh, fucking hell, your majesty, yeah. here you go. Oh, I didn't see you coming around helping me fucking take the washing machine out, you old cow. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna call her a slag and elbow dropper just out of pure instinct. I realise now that I'm now gonna have to explain to my son how once upon a time me and his granddad used to live in the big palace in the middle of the city. And yeah. He's gonna be the, so why do we live in a caravan? Because <laughs> <laughs> your son, because your father told jokes for a living, and nobody laughed. Yeah. Just just to make clear, Tom doesn't live in a caravan. He's still he's still part of the one percent. Yeah, I'm still like I'm, he's I'm not doing, he's doing. not he's 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 not really it's not gone from the tower to like you know most people when they have to leave a tower in their royalty, they get beheaded. Tom just doesn't have someone with a gun on his door anymore. Oh my That's god, it. I've got cut I've got house keys for the first time ever. Because <laughs> I <laughs> Normally, a queen's guard just stands outside my front door so I don't have to lock it. Whereas I've got 
honestly, you should have seen me. I, it took me 20 minutes to lock the door. <laughs> I haven't locked a door in years. It, would this be the first time that you have to put toothpaste on your own toothbrush as well? Yeah, no, I'm wiping my own ass now. I'm <laughs> mid-30s. I feel like I'm, it's time for me to do it. <laughs> Lights his own cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be brilliant if the... I think I think the Queen's Guard should be privatised. I think anyone should be able to buy the services of a pre- Queen's Guard for like one evening. So maybe in a flat, a council flat in in Manchester. Uh, just just do rent guard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and somebody come, you know, the Amazon bloke comes round, and then the Queen's Guard says, "If you would, uh, if if you would like to just place that by the door, sir." Well, I've always found it very handy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got. Uh, uh, we've got to go. I've got to go in, but lovely, to, lovely to see you, Mark. All right, well, uh, thank you very much. Sorry to barge in on the. Uh, oh yes, uh, I'm about to go on tour, and uh, I need to, I need to sell some tickets because I've got to pay rent now. Uh, <laughs> oh okay, where are you? <laughs> uh, where are you going? Happen- I'm sure. I'm sure all the listeners of this podcast are going to be full of, of sympathy for how much you need tickets <laughs> yeah. to be to be bought. Uh, I'm doing 44 dates across the UK, and. Uh, I'm at Honourable Tom on Instagram and TikTok because that's my title. Honourable, I'm the Honourable, Honourable Tom. I've got a podcast called B Tech Philosophers, and I I still live in the upstairs of my dad's attic. So <laughs> you know, let's, if you're not let's in your attic, like here. fucking Oscar Wilde's picture, you're at it's a room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been lovely chatting. Thank you. And at least now we know what the fuck is going on. I still don't know why you've got a black eye. Well, I got punched in the face. Oh, Jesus Christ. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, absolutely, definitely write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at all the messages that you send. We do, honestly. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions full of magnificence and glory and all sorts of other privileges for just £4 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Robin Ince, Elliot Steele and Tom Halden. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs>